0: and welcome to Unity Presbyterian Church Online. This Week in Worship, Pastor David continues the series on the big three, faith, hope, and love with a look at love. Let's listen. Okay, so as you know by now, we are studying love. And Bailey asked a good question to the kids that I ask you as well. How do we define love? That can be a tougher question, can't it? I mean, it's easier in some ways to show love than it is to define love. And so I'm gonna begin this sermon today by showing you a video of love. And it's not going to be readily apparent how this shows you love, but don't worry, by the end, I'm gonna tell you uh, how this next video shows love. So let's go ahead and play that video. Do you see it? Do you see the love in that video? Probably not, right? You probably didn't notice me either. I was in that mud pit. So here's the backstory. Here's the backstory. When I was doing my youth ministry days, uh, every year I would take about 100 middle school students to summer camp. And on the last day of camp, their annual tradition was the mud pit. And it's exactly what you would expect. A stinky, thick, oozing pit of mud. The middle schoolers loved it. I mean, they would run in, get themselves as messy as possible, and, and get each other as messy as possible, but the leaders also had to go in the mud pit. So every year, I would be in there, and of course the middle schoolers see you, and they're like, oh, I'm going to tackle my camp counselor. I'm, I'm going to get them as muddy as possible. But here's how this story shows love. Every year, the mud pit would fall on my wedding anniversary. And for many of those years, my wife Sarah was a group leader on that trip, which means we would be celebrating our wedding anniversary in that mud pit. If that doesn't show love, I don't know what does. I mean, Sarah showed me love by saying, yes, you have a crazy job, but I'm just going to jump right in and join you in it. What shows love to you? What's an image, picture, or expression of love for you? Well, we're going to think today about the biblical definition of love. And to do that, we're going to study the longest chapter that we have in Scripture about the topic of love. And no, it's, it's not 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient. Love is kind. The one that's uh, recited at all the weddings. We'll get to that next week. This is an even longer chapter on love. So long, we're just going to do excerpts of it. And it comes from 1 John. I hope that you deepen your understanding of this word, love, that can seem so common because the Bible deepens our understanding of what love really is. Here's how 1 John begins. We're going to pick it up in verse 7 of chapter 4. Beloved, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Okay, so in this first verse, love is mentioned three times, all in one verse. So you know this passage is just going to be packed full of exploring love. But I want you to notice how it begins. What does John call the Christians who are reading this letter, which includes us today? Beloved, beloved. So, one of the Greek words for love is agape. And you may have heard agape before, but agape is the pure, unconditional love of God. That is agape love. Well, the word beloved is agapedos in Greek. So, the word beloved has that root word agape, but it comes to mean one who is loved. So, When John calls you beloved, what John is saying is you are one who is loved, but you're not one who's loved in any normal way. You're a one who is loved by God, and not only that, but you are loved by God with this agape love, this pure, unconditional love that only comes from God. That, friends of unity, is our starting point in life. We are beloved, We are ones who are loved by God. Which means that when you go through a season of life, and that's harder for you to to really feel. Uh, Maybe you're feeling more lonely. Or you're wondering, do people really even notice me? Am I really truly loved? Even in those dark moments, you are beloved. You are loved by God with pure, unconditional love. So when we start... Discussing love and thinking about love, this is our starting point. We are loved by God. Jurgen Moltmann, a theologian, wrote The Theology of Joy, and he said, we are not loved because we are so beautiful and good. We are beautiful and good because we are loved. So we start there as people who are loved, and then we grow from there. Not only that, We're told that love comes from God. What that means is God is the very origin of love itself. God is the very source of love. And that means that God gets to decide what love is. Yes, you and I don't really get to define love. It is God, the origin of love, that tells us what is loving and what is not loving. Where this becomes difficult is thinking through how our culture all of the time tries to define what love really is. Uh, Let me give you a, a couple of examples. These are some advertisements that teach us what love is. Here's a Valentine's Day ad. What do these ads teach you about love? Well, when I look at them, I go, oh, okay, so love is shoes, or love is buying me a new watch. Okay, that's, that's love. When I get a new watch, that's truly love. Or here, here's the next one. Love's embrace. You'll always be surrounded by the strength of my love. So is that referring to the embrace, the physical embrace? Or is that referring to all those little rings around that diamond? What truly is love in this picture? or my personal favorite, here's the next one. Love is when someone gives me McDonald's. That's that's love. Not really. Don't go buy me McDonald's. But what are these advertisements really trying to teach us about love, even on a kind of subconscious, subliminal level? They teach us that, you know, as you guys said, love is all about gifts. Or love is a commodity. Love can be purchased. Love is a bit of a transaction. And sure, we can show love for one another through the purchasing of gifts, but if we stop there, which is where I think our culture often stops, it's far too superficial. It's far too hollow of a definition of what love truly is. So don't stop there. We're gonna deepen our understanding of love through studying the Bible. So let's go a little bit deeper. John says, love comes from God and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Bernard of Clairvaux was a monk who lived in 1090, so about 1,000 years ago, and he wrote an excellent book. It's a classic, and he called it On Loving God. And the book is all about how do we love God, truly, truly love God, and then how does God display God's love to us? And in this book, he has this quote that I think is just timeless. He says, what we love, we shall grow to resemble. And that's true, isn't it? Because the things in life that we love, the things in life that we truly pursue because we love them, over time, we become more and more like them. I mean, what Bernard is saying is that love has the power to transform us, which I think we all recognize is true. It transforms the core of who we are. So the question becomes, what do we love? What are we pursuing in a loving relationship, John hopes that we love God. Because as we pursue God in this loving relationship, we will come to resemble God. Or in John's language, love becomes a sign that we are born of God and that we know God. What John's saying is that as children of God, we should seek to resemble our loving father, just like a child might try to emulate their parents. When we are loving people, we are shown that we are born of God, that we are God's children, that we seek to resemble God. Have you noticed that this is not always true for Christians? I'm sure we all know some Christians who know a lot about the Bible, who might be able to talk circles around you in biblical interpretation, but they're not very nice. Loving may not be a word you'd use to describe them. I would say John would point out that they're missing the point. Because everything we learn about God should make us into more loving people. And I mean everything. Or let's take that further. We are reading scripture incorrectly if scripture does not make us more loving people. Because everything we learn about God from the Bible and from being in church together should transform us into resembling God who is love. Did you notice that? That John said, God is love. Now, we're not saying that God is just a feeling or an idea, some abstract concept, but what we're saying is that at God's very nature, at God's core, is love so we can't even say that oh well love's just an attribute of God like God is really loving or the most loving because it's God no at God's very core and nature is love and as God's children we need to be people of love as Christians we should be the most loving people in the world now let's get practical for a moment How does God, who is love, show love to us? That's what John goes to explore next. Verses 9 and 10, John says, This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his son and the only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So we're thinking through how do you define love? And what we're reading here is that love is self-sacrificial. Yes, every time that you sacrifice your own needs or wants or desires in love for someone else, you are resembling the love of God, which is a self-sacrificial love. This is when people are willing to spend their anniversary in a mud pit. That's self-sacrificial love. This is when people set aside, even momentarily, their own needs for the good of the family system that they're a part of. This is self-sacrificial love. This is what love looks like. And God showed us, as our Heavenly Father, who we're seeking to resemble the ultimate form of self-sacrificial love where God sent his only son into the world to die for our sins, the ultimate sacrifice. And then we use that as an example of how to live today. So every time we choose to love in a way that's sacrificial, that, that costs something, that means something, what you're doing is you're resembling your heavenly father. Do you want to see how John puts this all together in his conclusion? Here's what he says. He begins it in the same way he began that first verse with your title, Beloved. Remember, you are one who is loved by God with that pure, unconditional love. Beloved, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. Okay, so John says that if we love one another, two things are going to happen. The first thing John says is that if we love one another, God lives in us. Uh, There are times in one's life where it's hard to recognize God's presence. That might be true for you right now, where you're going, it's, I know God's here, but it's hard to feel that God is here. It's hard to recognize God's presence in my life. And if, if you're in that stage right now, I would encourage you, instead of just looking for God's presence, to look for love. Because that's usually easier to find. How do you experience love? How are you acting loving? Who's loving you right now? Look for that first, and then allow the act of love to remind you of God's presence. Because it is God's presence, God living in you, that enables us to be loving. So every time you love one another, you may not call it an act of God, but that's what it is. Because that, God blesses us with the ability to love. So if we love one another... God lives in us. And not only that, but John says, if we love one another, God's love is made complete in us. Now, the word complete in Greek is teleo. And teleo can mean to complete or to perfect. What God is saying here is that God is in the process of perfecting love in you. Isn't that a wonderful goal? To be a perfectly loving person. Isn't that a goal that all of us wants to have? To be able to love each other more perfectly. Well, it turns out that's a goal of God for you as well. Because God is in you seeking to help you love more perfectly. To love more completely. But this doesn't just happen by accident. Did you notice the contingency in this verse? It says, if. If we love one another, God's God's love is made complete in us. So what that's saying is that we need to actually engage in the act of loving one another through the relationships that we are in. Because love is not just a theory. It's not just a good intention. It is in action. How do we do this? I would say it's with lots and lots of practice. In every relationship that you are in, you can practice becoming a loving person. And as you practice, recognize that God is in you, helping to perfect how you love. Be aware of that. Uh, When you love your spouse, God is in you helping you love your spouse more perfectly. When you seek to love your children, or even to show love to your waitress, or to show love to your coworkers, even the ones that get under your skin. In all of these relationships, when you recognize that love comes from God, recognize that God is helping you to perfect your ability to love in these relationships. God is cheering you on, saying, yes, you should be a person of love and let me help you love more perfectly. That's really what John is all about in this chapter on love. So, What do we do in response to this? What what is our take-home message? Well, I would say it's actually a a simple one in theory, but not so much in practice. My encouragement for you is when given the option, make the loving choice. I know that sounds simple, right? It really does. But we don't often do it. Uh, When I'm given the option, a lot of times I'll make the self-centered choice because no one else may call me out on it. Maybe no one knows that I'm making a choice because it's so inward, right? But when, when given the option, what if we always chose to make the loving choice? Not the self-centered choice, not the apathetic choice, but what will help me be a more loving person? In all of our relationships, if we did this, can you imagine how it would transform those relationships? Not only that, can you imagine how it would transform us as God works in us to make our love more complete? That is the goal to work on this week, to recognize how God is working in you to make you a more loving person. And then we'll come back together next week and study that famous 1 Corinthians 13 about what love really is, patient, kind, and all the rest. If you would like more information about Unity Presbyterian Church, please visit our website at www.unitypres.org or visit us on Facebook. This is the Unity Presbyterian Church podcast. Have a great week.